If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Brian Seltzer. It takes a lot of money to buy a sports team. And sure, owners, they have money themselves, mostly from business dealings. But where does that money come from? What's keeping those businesses afloat? Henry Abbott manages the website TrueHoop, and he's been following money in pro sports for years. So it was no surprise to him that when sanctions started coming down on Russian elites in the aftermath of the Ukraine invasion, some of that money was tied up in pro sports. Henry's story might start with Vladimir Putin, but as you'll hear, it goes a lot farther than that. Henry, by trade, you are a sports journalist. How did you end up falling down such a deep Vladimir Putin rabbit hole? It's such a good question. <laughs> well, my wife would like the answer to that question, too. Um, <laughs> so I think it really started with uh, just having a general sense that we didn't do a great job of covering the billionaires who are so important to sports. And then more specifically, Mikhail Prokhorov at that time was the billionaire who ran the Brooklyn Nets. And it was kind of a big name, but no one really understood very well what he was doing. And I just decided that I wanted to learn more about it. None of the questions that I asked, I started calling people had like simple answers. Everything was like, you know, like Cohen's and like odd riddles. And it was like, well, like what? why can't people talk straightforwardly about this guy? And um, that led to like meetings in Russian restaurants with vodka, which was like right out of a movie. I loved doing that. Um, and uh, I just met a ton of interesting people. There's so many stories I could tell. I could talk some stories for 150 hours. But um, really, I went to, I kind of went to PutinCon, was a, the Human Rights Foundation held a, like a conference about Putin uh, four years ago now in 2018. And that was really where I was like, oh, like these are brilliant, hardworking people who are dedicating their lives to like trying to end Putin's reign because he's such a more pernicious figure than you would know from reading the New York Times. And it kind of tuned me into this and it seemed like a big deal and not a small deal. And I started just trying to figure out in what ways he might connect to the NBA. And it was like, kind of a lot more than just Prokhorov. <laughs> and so I, I honestly, it's like this, I feel like I like, there's this saying, like you got the tiger by the tail or whatever. I feel like I like stirred up a hornet's nest and I have a feeling I'll be talking about this for the rest of my life now. Okay. Before we go any farther, I've got to ask you about something you've written about extensively, PutinCon. So paint the picture for us. What was PutinCon? How did you get into that? Well, yeah. And if you just think about what the, the start of that, do we all kind of assume that it's dangerous to go? And if so, what does that say that we've always long thought about Putin, right? Like, this is Putin before invading Ukraine, and we're all like, I mean, I had people been like, oh, are, are you going to get poisoned when you go to this thing, right? Like, it's like, well, if you think that, then you think that the world is like half run by that guy, right? Like, well, geez, we should probably get on that, right? Like, we probably shouldn't just like green light all his projects, right? So... Uh, yeah, it was held. In, well, first it was a secret location. Right? I, I signed up. There was a little bit of vetting as to like how you how you get to approve to go, and then I, they email you the location only like a short time before, uh, so that everyone will know where it is. 
they held it in this basement. There was actually kind of like a, I think it's an off-Broadway theater where Avenue Q was. I don't know if it's like a puppet show. I think it's called the New World Theater, if I'm not mistaken. And so, the, But it's in the basement. It's down, you know, it's, it's a couple flights below ground. Several of the guests speaking in, it had been poisoned and, you know, had, but not killed. Um, there are a bunch of really kind of heroic, it's kind of inspiring. This whole day was just like, wow, you know, um, and kind of motivating, kind of inspiring. Um, and I just sort of felt like we needed to get a better handle on, you know, the little corner of this that touches, like, I mean, I'm a basketball journalist and I'd rather write about basketball, but we're kind of being patsies here a little bit and just like being like, you know, everything's fine with the money. It's no big deal. <laughs> like, I just didn't want to be, I don't, I don't, I don't like to be lied to. I don't like to be part of it if we're trying to like fuzz up what's really happening. So I just felt like, oh, I'm a, it's, I don't feel like this will be fun. I felt more like, oh, God, like, you know, the dog puked. I better clean it up. Like, here we go. I guess it's up to me you know, like trying to figure out. But that's such a key point because everyone, like you said, in a perfect, naive world where it's just shots made, shots missed, goals scored, all that stuff, we want to be wrapped up in the distraction of sports. That's what people always say. It's a diversion. It's a distraction. It's a place where you can seek refuge from all the serious, heavy stuff going on in the world. But there's this idea that you've covered extensively called sport washing. Explain that to us. What is sport washing? A little simple example of it that people will know about uh, without having to use too many like Russian names and stuff is um, Stephen A. Cohen. So like he was, you know, one of the most successful traders in Wall Street. But if you, yeah, there, there are books you can buy uh, right now, which kind of explain like this, the vast extent of the scandal around his company. And it's not like one insider trade, it's gazillion, right? And so Stephen A. Cohen bought the Mets and now he's Mets owner, Stephen A. Cohen. And there just isn't room in the little descriptor to put the other stuff, right? And, and uh, a guy who lives in this world tells me that basically like since buying the Mets, like there's not a meeting he can't get into. That's one part of sport washing is it actually just helps your business. The other part is it comes with the sports pages who are the least questioning journalists in the world, right? And they'll just say, if you're a guy who, you know, a, a billionaire who'll spend a bunch to get a new starting pitcher, then like, you're good, you're moral, you're celebrated, right? That's all you have to do, right? It's so easy. Like we're, we're just purchasable the sports world is, right? And, you know, Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea and went from being whatever we would have thought about, an oligarch whose name we didn't know before, to like a bunch of Chelsea fans. I mean, now they're maybe, it's a little more complicated, but for a long time they were like, greatest guy in the world. Like, let's, we love that guy. So somewhere in there, that's, that's sport washing, is you get to kind of spend a little money on sports and your reputation gets washed. We'll broaden the scope of this conversation as we go along, but let's stick on Putin and Russia for a moment. You mentioned Abramovich and Chelsea. That's been in the news. Alexei Ovechkin, the NHL superstar, his name was brought into this given his association with Vladimir Putin. How would you summarize this for us? To what extent does Putin and his influence extend into sports? Let's start at that level and then specifically American sports. The best book on this is Putin's People by Catherine Belton. She's just like an unbelievable, courageous journalist who knows oligarchs personally, has met with them face to face and like asked them the hard questions and then wrote a book about it. And 
a lot of people close to Putin sued her in British court trying to get her to like change the book. And after all of these lawsuits, she had to change like a few sentences that affect almost nothing. It's an incredible book. And, you know, she'll basically explain that there are these like vast, vast networks of, you know, black cash networks, she calls them, um, where just money flows around the globe in ways that aren't easily traceable. About 10% of the world's money is just offshore. Once it's offshore, you have no way of knowing if it's from a drug cartel or, you know, bureaucrats stealing money from a government somewhere or whatever. But basically, anyone who wants to put together a giant pool of money for anything probably can't exclude this bunch of money, right? So sports leagues are places that need big bunches of money, right? They, they actually have a problem in the NBA, which is teams are so expensive that there are barely any individuals left to purchase them. That's why they're, they're bringing in private equity and other formats. This giant pool of money, I, you, you just it just makes its way into sports because it wants to, right? Because sports is, you know, maybe it's a growth business. I, I don't know. The TV ratings would suggest, you know, that's an iffy proposition, but it's certainly a, a thing you can spend money on that gets you a little love from fans and maybe open some doors in, in your business life. One thing that I learned at PutinCon that I thought was kind of fascinating was all sorts of experts and people I've interviewed since kind of confirm this idea that like under autocracy, right, which is what we're talking about here, you don't really get to own stuff because the all-powerful leader can just take whatever he wants. Sometimes there'll be this kind of thing that happens where it's like, oh, well, you know, that's not, you know, Putin's money, it's Prokhorov's money. And Prokhorov seems like a halfway decent guy, right? Well, as many people have explained to me, like Putin can take back whatever he wants whenever he wants it. So it's to his benefit to just like let people around him with better reputations than him, people who aren't sanctioned, right? Just like invest all the money. And so long as he controls things that are important to them, he can just get it back whenever he wants, right? So it's a little bit of a workaround that I think happens in sports leagues a lot where like Roman Romovich, like upstanding fellow, uh, but, you know, it, it, it could be, according to a bunch of people, like, that that's Putin's money if he decides that he wants it to be Putin's money in the future. Are there certain leagues or governing bodies or federations that have more potential money linked to Putin and Russia than others? Oh, definitely. I don't know if you're a Formula One fan at all, but, like, I mean, the, the logos on the jerseys are, like, the same set of companies that are in Catherine Belton's book, right? Like, it's a... Uh, uh, the way money laundering works, it's really good to have deep pockets. So like the oil business is a great buddy in money laundering because anybody in the oil business, it's credible that they have tons of money, right? So if a Saudi prince or an Emirati prince like spends a bunch of money on something, people don't think, well, where the hell do you get that money, right? Because those two places have tons of oil. You'll notice almost every sports league is figuring, including the NBA, is figuring out ways to hold events in the United Arab Emirates or in Doha or in Riyadh, right? And like these are, I mean, I've seen some of these events where there's like, you know, people running a marathon in the desert and it's 109 degrees. And it's like the worst imaginable place to hold this event. But it's where the money is, right? So... Uh, and the United Arab Emirates is, is, a, is frankly a red flag. Like, this is not me saying it. You can look at white papers from respected institutions. This is like the, a global hotbed of money laundering right now. And, you know, the NBA, Adam Silver recently said that he, you know, they're not really sure post-COVID when they'll be playing games overseas again. 
and they're going to work out the various traditional trips they would have had. But they're already committed to the UAE. It's booked. Like, they're going to be there. Like, that one's set in stone. That's a red, that's a red flag to me. Just because it's been in the news a lot lately, we obviously know Vladimir Putin's name. Who are some other characters in this story who are worth, in your mind, flagging? Oh, how much time do you have? The big one, <laughs> the big one is Leon Black. So Leon Black founded Apollo Global and funded Jeffrey Epstein and left Apollo Global recently in disgrace after this Jeffrey Epstein incident. And he's met personally with Putin, according to sources in Catherine Belton's book and others, and served on, um, Putin had this, it has, still has this like investment body called the Russia Direct Investment Fund. And Leon Black was one of the overseas advisors to that fund. The more you dig into it, there's just like very deep bunch of connections between the business people around Leon Black, which include Josh Harris of the 76ers. You know, the, Apollo Global's path as a company just has a, a, a sick connection, bunch of connections to intelligence and Epstein and Russia and just it goes on and on. We'll never understand it all, but the it's just not been one of those places that's that's done a convincing job of screening out bad people. I met personally with a billionaire who knows all those people involved and he was basically like, look, you know, every deal we do, we assess, you know, for a bunch of factors, right? One of which is will it make us look bad or will it be unethical? And you know, one of which is, will it make us money? He's like, those guys, they're just optimizing for the money. I think that's one of the problems here. We don't know exactly where the money's coming from, who's using it, how it's being used. So it's really hard to say definitively whether someone like Josh Harris, who was high up at Apollo, knew exactly where the money was coming from and what he had his hands in or didn't. Part of the issue here seems to me, like where there's smoke, we don't actually know for certain if there's fire. After you sit through a whole day of presentations at PutinCon, and everyone's like, well, what can we do? Like, part of me is thinking we need like, you know, like superheroes, we need The Rock or something, right? But no, all you need is clear ownership. That's it. If we know which human being owns a piece of real estate or a company, this whole game goes away. There's all sorts of accounts in the Caribbean associated with Apollo and with Josh Harris. And like, you know, we'll never really know those, those you know, when they all worked at Apollo, Leon Black and Josh Harris, etc., they were um, required to file insider trading reports when they moved things. Around. And you could see these like giant accounts with giant flows in the Caribbean. And, you know, what's going on with those? Why this amount on that day? Like, well, you know, who knows? But it's such a vulnerability, right? Like once the money's in the like offshore black box, whether they're drug dollars or cartel dollars or Putin dollars, or whatever, like it, it all looks identical, right? And so I think there's just kind of this like the system is a little bit tilted to just make sure we never really know how to answer your question. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, got, that's worked well enough. I think in part, you know, sports fans are a little part of that, right? Where we're just like, ah, whatever. Like they got Embiid and Harden, let's rock, you know, like and stop being difficult, right? I don't begrudge that. I, I, I'm a sports fan too, but um, but part of me is like, someone needs to be an adult here and like sniff around and say, are we sure we're doing this the right way? So what can be done about all this? Is there any way leagues could do a better job of knowing where the money from its ownership is coming from? We'll continue with True Hoops' Henry Abbott after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth.
Henry Abbott created True Hoop in the early 2000s and has covered some really high-level NBA stories over the years. In our show notes, you can find a link to an article he published detailing the timeline of Russian money entering the NBA. Henry and I are talking about sport washing and where money in sports comes from, whether it's Putin's Russia, Apollo Global, which has connections to Jeffrey Epstein, or some other shady place that we just don't know about. What are your thoughts? What what could be done? What are some baby steps, perhaps, that could be done with oversight and checks and balances to make sure the money's clean? We got no hope on that. I mean, the thing is, like, sports ultimately, like, you know, Adam Silver has a legitimately difficult job with 30 bosses, right? And and he doesn't work for me and you. He doesn't work for LeBron, right? He works for 30 billionaires, like, full stop. He doesn't have any other bosses who matter, right? And they're mostly concerned about resale value, right? Which means that Adam has to bring in the next purchasers who are the ones with the most money. So like, he's just very poorly, he, like his whole enterprise is just incredibly poorly positioned to police any of this. Because they don't, they just need the most money, right? That's the mission. This is a money problem. Sports is just a little thing you can purchase with money, right? Um, I think that we are way behind in being a country where it's hard to launder money. And so long as that's the case, we're going to be super vulnerable. You think about this, and then you start to wonder just how sports have, in terms of money and revenue, exploded in the last 50 years. Could sport, as we know it, exist without sport washing? If we look at the fundamentals, right, the ticket revenue, the, the, the TV rights, etc., then it would have grown modestly, but not like on this rocket ship ride. If we didn't have all of this offshore money sloshing around, kind of landing randomly and briefly here before it goes off somewhere else, then we wouldn't have these prices, but we'd have probably the same or better TV ratings and, you know, apparel sales and whatever. Like, I, I think there's like a thing we haven't thought about very much as sports fans, which is we don't really know what's going on with this, but we know that we're not in charge, right? Like, we know this isn't the Green Bay Packers where, where, where we own it, right? They know there's like forces beyond us that we're sort of subtly told not to worry about, right, are at the core of it. And we know that like the players say kind of tense things about it's a business and got to do what you got to do. And we're none of us able to really be frank about it, right? And during the Black Lives Matter protests especially, right, like Chris Paul was saying he was hearing from all kinds of players who were like not sure they wanted to put on that jersey. It's like well, which jersey and why? Because of what? Like, what do you know, right? Like, we don't know what players think about the billionaires. We just, they, it, you just can't talk about it, right? There's this big weight on all of us where it's like, I would like the league where we could talk about that, right? Where, you know, like, who's a good guy? I mean, like, Mark Cuban is a total kook and, you know, definitely like a, a kind of a, not a perfect guy, but he's the one who acts like an actual person, and it's not all breathless, like, you know, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Like, I don't have a feeling for Josh Harris at all. I know there's, like, all these accounts with his name on him in Bermuda. And I know that he was in business with Leon Black for a long time. And I know that you try getting Joel Embiid to talk about him for more than a sentence. I bet you can't, right? Like, and so that, that just feels a little bit like it's heavy on sports and it ups the resale value, but doesn't maybe up the value value. To that point... What's the hope? Obviously, you've committed so much time and energy. You've written so extensively and reported so extensively on these issues. What do you hope 
the reader takes away from it? What do you think they could gain benefit from by having a better understanding of the inner workings of the people who control these sports? Well, it's fine. I'm actually pretty hopeful. This has been like a bummer of a project, especially in the pandemic. I'm like, you know, we're all locked at home and I'm like, oh, let's read some more about terrible people, right? Like, you know, it's not, I don't recommend it. Um, but uh, I, I do, I'm hopeful in a couple ways. One is we just woke up to this, right? This Ukraine invasion, terrible, terrible though it is, actually, I think, made half of the planet suddenly start asking questions about Putin, which is an amazing thing. Like, we don't know how well we can solve this, right? But I do feel like the next five bills that come along with like reining in money laundering are going to get a whole different political reception, right? And uh, there, and that's that that could be amazing, right? And I think that I think I learned at PutinCon that in Estonia, you can't buy a piece of property without like showing up in person and signing your name. That's, every single piece of property in Estonia has a human's name on it. Like if we had that here, like we'd be great, we'd be fine. I think. Now maybe sports fans get to be a little bit of like, you know, do we have the right, is this the right billionaire for us? Do we get the right one? You know, Um, (laughs) because the value of sport watching is only there if it actually washes, (laughs) right? Like, like, like if, if Mets fans were like, ah, Stephen A. Cohen, wasn't he the insider trading guy? Like if that's just how they take it, then it didn't work, right? So it only works if we're stupid. It only works if we stay in the dark. Right. And so to me, I'm like, oh, here's a little more, you know, tune in a little more and then just kind of let the market play out. Let's see. You know, maybe the next incoming NBA billionaire is just just made money from software or something, you know, instead of like, what, what did Apollo do? I don't know. It's weird. You know, you can read Henry's work on TrueHoop.com and be sure to give his podcast a listen. It's called Bring It In. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Brian Seltzer, and we'll have another episode out soon.